Hello. Welcome to the Legends of King Arthur and his Knights. Chapter 22. The Knight of Many Colours. Beaumains, high-born kitchen boy turned valiant knight, rode away from Castle Dangerous in low spirits. He had achieved his quest, but he had not won the lady. Leoness had sent him off for a year to prove himself even further. Accompanied by his faithful dwarf, he rode into a forest and sat down for a rest and a think. Of course, being wounded and tired, he fell asleep. Now, the Lady Leoness had another motive for sending Beaumains away. She wanted to find out who he was. Secretly, she dispatched her brother, Sir Gringamore, to see if he could learn the real identity of the brave knight. Riding through the forest, he came across the sleeping Sir Beaumains. Swiftly, sneakily and without fuss, Sir Gringamore kidnapped Beaumains' dwarf friend and rode off with him. He brought the small man back to his castle, where Lynette and Leoness were waiting. There, they forced the dwarf to tell them the real name of Sir Beaumains. He told them, but I'm not going to tell you just yet. The two ladies were delighted to learn that he was a king's son, and therefore worthy of Leoness. Beaumains awoke to find his friend missing. He mounted his horse and rode off. He soon came across a woodcutter, who told him he'd seen a knight carrying a dwarf riding by an hour or so before. Beaumains followed his directions, and soon arrived at the castle of Sir Gringamore. There he shouted that whoever had kidnapped his friend must return him right now, or accept the consequences. The Lady Leoness, very happy to know that Beaumains was a noble, told Gringamore to release the dwarf immediately. The dwarf ran to Beaumains and begged forgiveness. He had told the ladies who Beaumains really was. The knight told him not to worry about it, and then entered the castle. There at last, he came face to face with Leoness. They hugged and kissed. It was clear they were meant to be together. They agreed that Beaumains, although now they knew his real name, would stay in the castle while he recovered from his wounds. Meanwhile, at Camelot, visitors started arriving in droves. As we know, the Knight of the Red Lawns had already arrived and yielded. Next through the gates was a green knight and his thirty knights. He announced his name was Sir Pertilope, and he had yielded to a knight he knew only as Beaumains. Soon after Pertilope came the Red Knight with his sixty knights. He told the court he had also yielded to Beaumains, and he was called Sir Perimones. Next in line was the Blue Knight, Sir Persant of Indy, and his hundred knights. He told the same story. The Knight of the Red Lawns announced that he was called Sir Ironside. He told King Arthur that he now had 500 knights who were at King Arthur's service. King Arthur totted up the totals and realised that Beaumains had won the service of 694 knights. He was very, very impressed. He spoke to them all. Knights, I forgive you for deeds you have done against me in the past. Sir Ironside, I invite you to become a Knight of the Round Table. There was much rejoicing and a great feast. Arthur wondered who Beaumains really was. During the feast two more visitors arrived. The Queen of Orkney, King Arthur's sister Morgors, strode into the court with her youngest son. As they saw her, Sir Gawain, Sir Agravain and Sir Gaheris rose from the sieges of the round table and knelt before her. They hadn't seen her for nearly fifteen years and they were overwhelmed with happiness. She told them to stand and hug them tenderly, one after the other. "'My sons, I'm so proud of you all,' she said. I've heard many tales of your heroic adventures, and I'm overjoyed to see you. The three eldest Orkney boys sat down at their sieges. Morgors turned to her brother. Sir, I've come to your court to ask that you knight my youngest son. 
A tall, dark, frowning teenager stepped forward. He was well-built and strong, just like his brothers, and King Arthur looked at him approvingly. If he had any misgivings, he didn't show them. He warmly agreed to the request and knighted him. There were a few empty seats at the round table, and the young knight inspected them until he found the right one. On it was written the words he wanted to see. This is the siege of Sir Mordred of Orkney. Sir Mordred of Orkney sat down. He looked around dreamily. This, he thought, was where he belonged. His mind wandered as he dreamt of power. He was distracted from his dreams by his mother's voice. Now, King Arthur, what have you done with my other son, Gareth? I sent him to you just over a year ago, and I heard he was working in the kitchens waiting to be knighted. That was shameful treatment for my pride and joy. Where is he? King Arthur slapped his head in frustration, kicking himself for not guessing who the young man had been. Sir Gawain, Sir Agravain and Sir Gaheris couldn't believe that their younger brother had been living with them for a year and they hadn't known who he was. They hadn't seen him since he was a small child though, so they can be forgiven for not recognising him. Sir Lancelot smiled at everyone else's discomfort. Fair sister, said King Arthur, I didn't know who he was and nor did Sir Gawain nor his brothers. If you had told me he was coming then I might have acted differently. When he arrived he asked for three gifts. First he wanted food and lodging for a year. After the year, he asked to be knighted by Sir Lancelot and given the quest of the Lady Lynette. All three gifts he was given. He turned to the rest of his court. Knights, we must search the kingdom and seek Sir Gareth of Orkney. Sir, there's no need, said Sir Baldwin, who had just entered the room. I have dispatched a messenger to Dame Leoness, asking her to come to court and bring word of the whereabouts of Sir Gareth. The messenger arrived at Gringamore's castle. Dame Leoness consulted with the knight who used to be known as Beaumains about how to answer. He told her to go to King Arthur's court and tell him she was arranging a tournament at which the prize would be her hand in marriage. If King Arthur and his knights were to come to the tournament, then they would learn about the whereabouts of Sir Gareth. The tournament was to be held on the Feast of the Assumption, which would give him time to recover from his wounds. The tournament was arranged and Leoness informed King Arthur. It was to be a huge event. King Arthur and the knights of the round table would be on one side and on the other side would be all of the knights from around the country who were not members of the order. Dame Leoness put out the word to England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland and lands beyond. She sent for all the greatest knights who were not knights of the round table. The day of the tournament arrived. King Arthur took to the field with almost all of his knights. Sir Lancelot was there, as were the Orkney brothers, Sir Gawain, Sir Agravain and Sir Gaheris. Sir Tor and Sir Lamorak arrived, eager for jousting. Lancelot's family were there, Sir Hector his brother, Sir Lionel and Sir Bors his cousins, and many others. Lacote Meltale arrived with his brother, Sir Dinadan. Sir Uwain was there, of course, as was Sir Bedivere and almost everybody else. Fighting for the Lady Leoness were all the knights Sir Gareth had defeated on his quest, except for the rather too dead Black Knight. Sir Ironside, Sir Persant, Sir Pertilope and Sir Perimones prepared themselves for battle. Sir Gringamore was on Gareth's side, as was Sir Palamedes the Saracen. Also on Sir Gareth's side was a very famous knight. Unbeknown to everyone else, Sir Tristram of Lyons had travelled over to take part. Sir Gareth was very pleased to see him. Before the tournament started, the Lady Leoness gave Gareth an enchanted ring, telling him it would help him keep his identity secret from the other fighters. The tournament was a magnificent event. 
Everyone who took the field did great deeds. Sir Agravain used his hard hands to great effect, knocking many of Dame Leoness's men to the floor. Sir Gaheris took on Sir Seguarides and smoked him to the ground. Sir Lamorak fought side by side with his brother and defeated King Carados and his men. Leoness's team fought back strongly, though. Sir Tristram defeated Sir Bedivere, and then the knight Sir Gareth had defeated rode in and gained the upper hand. At the height of the battle, Sir Ironside and Sir Gareth rode out of the castle together and joined in the mayhem. Sir Ironside fought an honourable tie with Sir Bors, but Sir Gareth was everywhere. He knocked King Agwisance from his horse, and then smote down Sir Dinadan and La Cotemail Tail. All of the combatants marvelled at the deeds of the young man, but none knew who he was. The ring given to him by Leoness disguised him by constantly changing the colour of his armour. First he was a green knight, and then a blue one. Next he was a red knight, and then a yellow one. His multicoloured armour was almost as dazzling as his knightly deeds. King Arthur suggested to Lancelot that he take on the knight of many colours, but Lancelot had guessed who it was. He made an excuse, saying it was clear that this knight wanted to win the lady. He, Lancelot, could beat him if he wanted to, but today was not the day. Sir Gareth met on the field with his brother Gawain. He was the best knight Gareth had yet encountered, and they fought strongly for a long time. In the end, though, the younger brother won. Sir Gawain was knocked from his horse. Sir Tristram, watching what was going on, turned to Sir Ironside. Sir, you rode from the castle with that great knight with the shimmering armour. He's the best I have seen beside Sir Lancelot. You must know who he is. Please tell me. Sir Tristram, there are very few people I would give this information to, but because you are who you are, I will tell you what you want to know. In the court of King Arthur he was known as Beaumains, but he is Sir Gareth of Orkney, brother to the great Sir Gawain. He's so young, replied Sir Tristram. I've never seen a knight as great at so young an age. With that, the two knights, along with Sir Persant and his brothers, rode to where Gareth was fighting and joined him. The tournament was soon over, and it was quite clear that Sir Gareth had won the day. Gareth, very tired and extremely thirsty, left the battlefield and rode over to his dwarf. There he asked for a drink. The dwarf told him that he should take off the enchanted ring while drinking. Gareth didn't bother to think about it and gave the ring to his dwarf. He forgot to take it back and when he rode back onto the field everyone could see who he was. Gareth had not wanted to be discovered in that way and as soon as he realised he rode from the field. He was spotted by his brother but was soon out of sight. Sir Gawain rode off in the direction Sir Gareth had gone. The dwarf took the ring back to the Lady Leoness. He told her he was sure Sir Gareth would be back for her soon. Sir Gareth stopped at a castle and asked for lodgings so he could rest and let his wounds begin to heal. He was told he could stay there, but he would have to yield to the lord of the castle if he ever met him in the future. The lord was called the Duke de la Rouse. Sir Gareth agreed and had a good night's sleep. In the morning, he departed the castle. He decided he wouldn't return to his lady just yet. He would rest a couple more days until he was healed. He rode up to the top of a hill in order to have a look at the view and then have a nice restful day. Unfortunately, the best laid plans of knights and men are prone to going wrong. At the top of the hill was a knight called Sir Bendelaine. He told Gareth he could not pass, he would have to fight or yield. Gareth was in no mood to give the knight a chance, and ran his lance through him on the first charge. Sir Bendelaine managed to get back to his castle, but then promptly died. Gareth, feeling a bit guilty, rode after him, 
thinking he'd better give him a good burial. When he got to the castle, though, he was set upon by twenty men. He fought them and slew them one by one until only four were left. The last four fled for their lives. Gareth, deciding he now didn't owe Sir Bendelaine anything, rode away. He would have to rest somewhere else. Of course, he didn't get any rest. He spotted another castle. He rode up to it and was about to ask for a comfy bed when he heard a terrible wailing noise. He asked a page what was going on and was told he was listening to the cries of thirty ladies who were all widows. Their husbands had been killed by the lord of the castle, the brown knight without pity. Gareth was very tired by now and wasted no time. He challenged the brown knight. Just like Sir Bendelaine, the brown knight was killed with the first blow that Gareth struck. Gareth was given a room and he slept very well. In the morning he rode off. He decided to ride back to the top of the hill where he'd met Sir Bendelaine, reckoning it was highly unlikely that his rest would be disturbed by another knight in the same place as the day before. He was wrong. At the top of the hill was the Duke de la Rouse. Gareth, remembering his agreement, offered to yield, but the Duke wanted a fight. He got one. Gareth was too strong for him, and he eventually had to yield. Not only that, he pledged a hundred knights to serve King Arthur. The Duke rode off, and Gareth had a little time to draw breath. Only a little, though, as yet another knight rode up and approached him. This knight also challenged him to a joust, and Sir Gareth, by now pretty fed up with fighting, reluctantly agreed. Two hours later he was even more reluctant. The knight was as good as he was, and neither could gain the upper hand. As they began to tire, the Lady Lynette arrived. She was horrified to see the two knights fighting, and shouted out, Sir Gawain, why are you fighting with your brother, Sir Gareth? Hearing this, both brothers threw aside their weapons and ripped off their helmets. They hugged each other and wept with joy. Little brother, I'm so glad to see you, said Gawain softly. You've proved yourself to be the finest of knights. You may be the best of all our father's sons. I'm proud to call you my brother. The Lady Lynette rode to King Arthur and told him the news. Before long, the king arrived at the mountain top, where the two Orkney brothers sat deep in conversation. When they saw the king, they both kneeled before him. As they were doing this, Morgors arrived and hugged her two sons. All went together to their lodgings, happy and content. There they met Agravaine and Geheris. The middle Orkney brother took a liking to the Lady Lynette, and they sat up most of the night and talked. The next day, the king's party returned to Camelot and planned a wedding. It was agreed that Sir Gareth would marry the Lady Lyonesse at Michaelmas. Michaelmas arrived, and the wedding day with it. It wasn't just a single wedding, though. It wasn't even a double wedding. The big day was a triple wedding. Sir Gareth married Dame Lyonesse, Sir Gaheris married the Lady Lynette, and Sir Agravaine married their niece, who was called Dame Laurel. Everyone was there to help the Orkney brothers celebrate. Sir Lancelot's family came over from Gaul. All of the knights Sir Gareth had defeated on his quest were there, and Sir Ironside, Sir Persant, Sir Pertilope, and Sir Perimones were all made knights of the round table. Sir Gareth and all four of his brothers were now in the order of the round table. The Orkney brothers had made it. As the wedding party continued into the late evening, they revelled in their achievements. Sir Gawain smiled contentedly. Sir Gaheris and Sir Gareth laughed, joked and partied hard. Sir Agravaine sat back and soaked up the atmosphere. Sir Mordred leant against the wall and gazed over the party impassively. It was anyone's guess what he was thinking about. Next week, we'll leave the Orkney brothers for a while 
and return to the story of Sir Tristram of Lyons. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>